When I get thirsty, I walk over to the cabinet and I grab a glass from my line of clean dishes. I meander to the closest of several sinks in my house or office. I flick the knob with my wrist and ah, my thirst is quenched. Even a hundred years ago on my great grandmother's farmstead in Minnesota, the very most that she'd need to do, even in April, was to pull on boots and a coat, grab a bucket, and trudge across the yard to the water pump, work the handle a few times with some vigor, and then enjoy fresh water from the depths of the earth. The ingenuity of our forebears, the clever and brilliant inventors of our past, have brought an imaginable convenience and immediacy to our lives. Even in our dry season here in Texas, hoses still spout water for our home gardens. We don't get concerned that our rivers might leave us without a way to feed our plants, let alone a way to quench our own thirst. And so this word from Isaiah this morning beautiful and evocative though it may be, suffers the risk of remaining in our heads and in our ears, not moving all the way into our hearts and our bodies. Because with roads spanning our massive country, let alone our ponderous state, there's no real need for a way in the wilderness or for rivers in the desert, except for fleeting, perhaps dramatic circumstances, most of us have never needed water in the wilderness or been fully dependent on some divine being to give us drink to quench our thirst. We don't depend, for example, on the sun to give us light. We have light switches for that. We don't depend on the sky to give us weather to cool us. We have air conditioning for that. We don't depend on our own bodies or even the created bodies of any animal to move us from one place to another. We have cars for that. Our modern lives have isolated us from suffering and from dependence on so many, many planes. This old prophet, Isaiah, was great back in the days of exile, thousands of years ago, and even perhaps in the days of farmsteads and water pumps. But is this really relevant anymore? Isn't that exactly what most people say about religion these days? We've evolved past it. It was lovely for the ancient people to have these stories to help them through the hard times. But today, we're not dependent on such things. We have cars and electricity. We have made for ourselves water systems and treatment plants. We've created our own ways in the wilderness. We call them paved roads. And we have medicines and air conditioning, and central heating. There's no need for this myth of God anymore. 
We're no longer innocent, naive children. We are wise and grown. We are beyond such fairy tales. If that was your conviction, I don't believe that you'd be here this morning. But I'll admit that as I reflect on my daily life and my habits, the assumptions that undergird my own existence, I find that I have a lot of interest in my own self-sufficiency. I spend a lot of energy making sure that I don't leave myself in need, weighed down with lots of canteens sloshing with water so that my own desert trek doesn't require any divine intervention. Do not worry. Your 25 weeks pregnant priest is not planning a trip to Joshua Tree National Park. But think about a desert in your own life right now. I've been referencing deserts and wilderness and rough patches in my sermons for weeks, so let's sit with one for a moment. When you're thirsty, like in your physical body, your throat gets kind of tight maybe even itchy feeling. And your mood or your body might get kind of jumpy in a way that's signaling something needs to be done. And as that thirst goes unquenched, later on you might get sleepy and everything starts moving in slow motion as the dehydration takes effect. You might get clumsy out of breath, and then finally, you collapse. So, this part is uncomfortable. What relationships or situations in your life, right now, make you feel jumpy or tight? Maybe the relationship even feels heavy, clumsy, tired. Perhaps just thinking about the situation makes you feel out of breath. That is your desert. You may have many, but you are just one body. So for now, let us just consider one bit of wilderness in which you are wandering. One relationship that's been brought to your mind. One situation that has got you perhaps on the edge of collapse. If you're ready, imagine yourself in that desert and hear the word of the Lord. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. Whatever has brought you to this wilderness, whatever brokenness 
anger, guilt, shame, messiness that traced your steps here. Do not consider the things of old. God is not about rubbing our noses in our mistakes or berating us over our foolishness. Whenever you realize and recognize that you are in the wilderness, surely that, that fact in and of itself is enough suffering to know that you are parched, to feel finally that you are clumsy and tired, without strength, without a way out for yourself. And into that realization, into that opening the eyes of your heart, God comes. The God, I am, comes and does a new thing, Isaiah says. He promises to create a paved road for you to walk, to walk with him. He promises to carry the water that you will need and to give it to you to drink any time that you ask. If we continue, though, to live as if we can carry our own water, as if we can use our own compass to find our own way out of our relationship wilderness, then I'm afraid we are lost. Like Judas in our gospel lesson today, deceived and convinced as he is by the arguments of the world, that good deeds and giving alms to the poor and accounting for only commonsensical things that we can see and touch and manipulate with our own hands, that is the way to life and peace. We too can get caught up in the mindset that these modern inventions foster in us, the self-sufficiency of cars and air conditioning and electricity. The season of Lent, on the other hand, is meant to remind us of our dependence on God, our complete helplessness without him. Judas, to be a very, very generous interpreter of his actions here, forgets that our God is the Lord. He is lulled to sleep and to complacency by the first century version of air conditioning and cars and electricity. Judas believes the lie that he has all he needs already within himself. He is completely capable, self-sufficient. Brother and sisters, it is good news that we are not capable, that we are not self-sufficient. No matter what our paychecks or our car ignition or our administrative skills or our family networks tell us, we're not made to survive the deserts and wildernesses of our lives just as we are. We're not equipped 
to find our own happiness, our own peace. We are not made to carry our own water, to build our own roads. Thus says the Lord, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. Amen.